Is Jeff Brom a top 10 head coach in college football? Well, Matrix Analytical's coach rating index seems to believe so. We'll talk about that on today's episode of the Locked On the Louisville podcast. Stay tuned. You are Locked On Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome in to another episode of the Locked On Louisville Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Pence. I serve as a credential media member for Cardinal Sports Zone. I also do some PA announcing work for the university in various sports. Want to take this time to uh, thank you all for making us your first listen of the day. Just a reminder, the Locked On Louisville Podcast is free on all streaming services, five days a week, your team, every day. Over the past week or so, Louisville head coach Jeff Brom has been getting a ton of of national recognition, Matrix Analytical's coach rating index rated Jeff Brom as the 10th best head coach in college football. So we will discuss that. We'll also talk about 24-7 sports um, ranking Jeff Brom as the number 14th best quarterback developers in the country. And then to conclude the show, we will dive into a weekly mailbag segment. But like I mentioned, Jeff Brom has been getting a ton of national recognition over the past week and really over the past couple months. When he took this job at Louisville, a lot of analysts essentially regurgitated something along the lines of this is a perfect marriage for both parties. Jeff Brom gets to come home. Louisville gets a potential lifer at the head coaching position, something that they had really been yearning for um, over, well, really for really since Howard Schnellenberger left. So, um, but I think if you ask most people, where does Jeff Brom rank in the active head coaching list? Where, where, how good is Jeff Brom? People would probably say, eh, maybe top 25, maybe top 30, really depending on who you talk to, but not according to a certain analytical um, approach matrix analytical just released um, a coach rating index and they ranked Jeff Brom as the 10th best head coach um, in college football based on a certain formula. Now this might qu- might be a little bit questionable because Jeff Brom in his career 66 and 44 in nine seasons um, he's made it to six bowl games won five of those. Uh, But overall, I mean, he hasn't made it to a New Year's Six Bowl. He hasn't made it to the college football playoff, a BCS Bowl, um, any of the big-time bowls. Jeff Brom really hasn't had a team that has gotten to that point. Now, the question is posed, what is going into this calculation? Well, according to the formula, it seems that one thing is for certain, and that is that the analytics believe, or at least from Matrix Analytical's formula, that Jeff Brom consistently and almost better than anyone does more with less than almost any of the head coaches in college football currently. Um, in an article from Brandon Marcello of 24-7 Sports, he breaks down what the CRI, Coach Rating Index, uh, prioritizes and what the formula is. So I want to read this excerpt because I think it really sheds some light on how you come to this conclusion. Um, so essentially, it goes on to say that um, 
Matrix Analytical Solutions developed the CRI in 2009 to measure the careers of all on-field coaches, regardless of position. Data is not available publicly, but 24-7 Sports was provided exclusive access. Um, essentially, it's a massive grading system with over 30,000 individual unit profiles and over 250,000 annual coaching result reports. If a coach was designated in an on-field role in that time span in either the FBF in either the FBS or FCS level he's in the database with the career number rating. Uh, position coaches are graded on play-by-play effectiveness. Coordinators are graded on per-play efficiency, but head coaches graded on win and loss records broken down and weighted by difficulty slash important in nine distinct categories ranging from expected close margin games to how they perform in games with equivalent talent profiles. However, this is the kicker. Coaches are not on even playing fields, Marcelo writes. Coaches like Nick Saban, Kirby Smart obviously have more talented players, and it's considered in the ratings. A coach's rating is weighted by the talent profile he had to work with in his career, do more with less against rosters or units with more, and the rating reflects that accordingly. Um, For these rankings, the top 10 head coaches, only coaches with three-plus years of experience are ranked to provide proper context. Many coaches carry more than one title, obviously, um, so Jeff Brom rated as a four star. I want to read you the other coaches ahead of Brom. Number one is Nick Saban. Number two, Kirby Smart. Number three, Lincoln Riley. Number four, Ryan Day. Um, number five, Dabo Sweeney. Number six, Jim Harbaugh. Number seven, Chris Kleiman. Number eight, Hugh Freeze. Number nine, Josh Hubel. And obviously, number 10, Jeff Brom. He's rated as a four-star. It seems like the Matrix Analytical Solutions rankings really prioritizes what Jeff Brom was able to do at Western Kentucky and even more so at Purdue. It's not the greatest look on paper, considering Jeff Brom has a mere um, 600 win percentage, but... Um, in his nine seasons, they felt like Brom consistently outperformed uh, the talent level he put on the field. This is what um, Marcelo had to say. Jeff Brom lifted Purdue off the mat, leading the Boilermakers to the 2022 Big Ten Championship game, winning a combined 17 games in his last two seasons. After six seasons that included 36 wins, he was approached by his alma mater for the second time and found it difficult to turn down Louisville, a long determined as one of the best offensive minds dating back to his time as a coordinator at Louisville and three years as a head coach of Western Kentucky, where he won two conference titles. Brahms passing offense ranking in the top 20 in eight of the nine seasons that he's been a head coach. Two receivers were selected in the first three rounds of the NFL draft in the last two years. Um, Brahms record isn't elite, but considered considering the context of the competition, talent at these schools, CRI grades coaches on their win-loss records, but also weighs the difficulty and importance of these games in nine distinct categories, ranging from expected close win margins to how they perform in games with equivalent talent profiles. Sorry for having to read all that off, but I feel like it offers extreme context as to why this ranking is what it is. Look, I don't think a I don't think really many people at all would venture to say, yeah, Brahms top 10, because, I mean, he really hasn't done anything uh, in terms of getting to a New Year's Six Bowl, getting to a playoff, but look where he's been. He hasn't gotten that true opportunity, and I think that people underestimate just how hard it may be to succeed at a place like Purdue. No disrespect to any of the Boilermakers listening to this show, but um, it's not necessarily easy to succeed. Not only do you have to comply with the academic standards, and that 
obviously takes a toll on recruiting, but you also have to convince recruits to come to West Lafayette, Indiana. And on top of that, the schools you have surrounding, if you are a highly rated recruit in the state of Indiana or in the surrounding areas, you have Notre Dame, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Cincinnati, Indiana, so on and so forth. And then you have Purdue with a little bit more of a academic, um, a little bit, excuse me, a tougher academic requirement to get in. Obviously, Notre Dame is sort of the same way as well. But nonetheless, um, he was able to succeed at Purdue pretty much right away. He had a winning record year one. Now, the next two seasons wasn't necessarily the greatest. Four and eight in 2019, had some injuries. Uh, 2020, the COVID year, they were two and four. But nine and four in 2021, they won the Music City Bowl, uh, got up to 25th in the AP poll. And then 2022, they overachieve, go eight and four, make it to the Big Ten Championship game before losing to Michigan. Uh, overall, I mean, I think that this is a situation to where it makes a lot of sense. And I think that he has consistently gotten his team better or has his team has played pretty solid against ranked competition. And that's something that uh, overall – I mean, it makes you feel pretty solid about where, you know, the team was at that certain time. Uh, just kind of looking through the schedule, looking at who they've defeated in that time, some of the ranked teams. Um, year one was a little tough. They lost pretty much three decently close games to ranked teams. Uh, 2018 is where things really took off for Jeff Brom's team. Obviously had that big win against um, Ohio State, 49-20. to 20. They defeated Boston College when Boston College was ranked, defeated Iowa when Iowa was ranked. So you had some pretty solid results in that 2018 season with Rondell Moore. Um, and then you'll know, fast forward to 2021, um, played Notre Dame pretty decently tough, beat number two Iowa by 17 points, beat Michigan State number five by 11 points, um, did get blown out to, to Ohio State, but – defeated Tennessee in that Music City Bowl in a thriller. Um, and then, obviously, 2022, you beat Minnesota, who was ranked, beat Illinois, who was ranked, uh, and then you lose to Michigan and LSU. But overall, I think that the moral of the story here, why the MAS really prioritized what Jeff Brom has been able to do is consistently being able to do more with less. And I think that um, that's something that really bodes well for Louisville in the future is that it, it makes you feel good. Uh, thinking about where, um, you know, the direction of the Cardinals program is going to go. I truly feel like they've upgraded at the coaching staff or at the head coaching position. And that's going to be something that we're going to see the little program be able to soar to new heights. And one way that Jeff Brom brings an upgrade to this program in is in the way that he develops quarterbacks and 24 seven sports sees that. In a recent article, he was ranked as the 14th best quarterback developer in the country. And we're going to talk about why that is here momentarily after we talk about our friends over at FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your best or your first bet amount in bonus bets up to 2000 or $200. Sorry. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land 200 Regardless, in bonus bets, win or lose, that's 200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run, all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel is the official partner of 
Major League Baseball. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. As I mentioned, Jeff Brom, in my opinion, is an upgrade for the University of Louisville. Most people would see it that way. I think that this is a really good marriage for both parties. Jeff Brom gets to come home, like I said. Louisville gets a potential lifer at the head coaching position, that continuity that fans, the program, the city has so desperately been yearning for. But one of the reasons, one of the main reasons why this is an upgrade for Louisville is the immediate upgrade in offensive coaching philosophy. Not only is the coaching staff more um, exciting in terms of, you know, offensive scheme and philosophy on offense, but it's literally, we mentioned it in the last segment, it's proven via analytics. In eight of his nine seasons as a head coach, Jeff Brom has had a top 20 passing offense nationally. Quarterbacks have succeeded, ones that weren't highly recruited. Wide receivers have succeeded. Now, running backs, granted, like I keep saying, this is not an air raid offense. Running backs are going to be involved. They were involved in his previous nine seasons. They're going to be involved in the upcoming season and so on and going into the future. But like I mentioned, this is more of a passing offense that um, is more balanced. It's a pro-style offense, not really a a run-style offense that um, builds the throwing game, but it's a little bit of a 50-50 or more so dedicated to the passing attack. But Jeff Brown was ranked as a top 15 quarterback developer, according to Cody uh, Nagel, I believe is how you pronounce that, um, of 24-7 sports. He ranked Jeff Brown as the 14th best head coaching, or I'm sorry, top 15 he, in the top 15, I can't speak to you. The 14th best quarterback developer. He says, with two decades worth of coaching experience in college, Louisville head coach Jeff Brom knows a thing or two about developing quarterbacks and operating a high-power offense. Um, in his final two seasons at Purdue, Brom helped Aiden O'Connell rank inside the top 15 nationally in passing yards per game. Uh, throughout his nine seasons, his passing offense consistently secured a top 20 spot nationally in ranking 13th on average during that period. Hilltoppers were one of the best offensive units in the country when Brom was there from 2014 to 16. They were top 10 nationally in scoring all three seasons. Um, And then not to mention the players that he has helped along the way. One thing that's very interesting to me, and we talk about whether or not guys that are very highly rated coming out of high school, Brady Allen, Pierce Clarkson, soon to be Deuce Adams, how well they're going to play in college. Now, granted, just because you're ranked highly doesn't mean that you're going to be good. And just because you have a head coach that is good at developing quarterbacks doesn't mean that he's going to help every quarterback be a solid contributor at the Power 5 level. However, it does not hurt to have higher-rated players and a coach that is known for – developing quarterbacks he was a quarterback 
He was a quarterback's coach, offensive coordinator. He's legitimately been involved with the quarterback position almost his whole life. His whole family has. I mean, his younger brother, Brian Brom, fantastic player. One of the best quarterbacks in program history, along with Jeff. I mean, this is like the first football family type thing. Um, Overall, one thing that's interesting to me and why I'm so encouraged about his ability to develop the quarterbacks at Louisville is seeing what he did at his previous stops. He had solid offenses at Western Kentucky, but you can argue that, well, the level of competition. You can't argue that for Purdue. I mean, they played solid teams in the Big Ten, right? The three main quarterbacks, David Blau, uh, Elijah Sendelar, and Aiden O'Connell, None of them were ranked inside of the top 500 in their respective recruiting class coming out of high school. Blau was, I think, top 600. Um, Elijah Sendelar from the state of Kentucky was, I think, top 800. Aiden O'Connell was not even given a star ranking. I believe he was a former walk-on who essentially rose up through the rankings, uh, made the most out of his opportunity when Jack Plummer got hurt and didn't look back, had a or led Purdue to a top 20 offense. And then that goes to show Jack Plummer in his time at Purdue before he went to California, he was able to see some success. Plummer's another guy not ranked inside of the top 500. So you wonder now why this bodes so well for Louisville. Well, Louisville is starting to recruit the high school quarterbacking position better than Purdue did in his time. And this obviously isn't to say there there's a correlation that it's just, you know, obviously going to be better quarterback play just because they're ranked higher recruits. I'm not saying that, but I'm also not not saying that at the same time, if you understand what I'm saying. Obviously, every situation's different, but, you know, there is a direct correlation between better programs being better because they have better players, better ranked players overall. Now, granted, you know, there are players that um, consistently outperform their rankings, underperform their rankings, so on and so forth. I mean, rankings uh, can be political at times. They, you know, it's all about who you know. It's about what program a player commits to. But overall, from a you know majority-based standpoint, higher-ranked players usually tend to lead to better programs. Jack Plummer. Coming to Louisville bodes well for the Cardinals. I think that um, you know Plummer has the potential, like I said, to be a top-five quarterback in the ACC because of the scheme, because of a lot of these factors in play, but also because he's got Jeff freaking Brom coaching him once again. I think that that's key to focus on. And if Pierce Clarkson is going to be the guy, if Brady Allen is going to be the guy, well, then you have one of the best quarterback developers at your disposal to use to help you get there. Not to mention not only Jeff, but you have Brian Brom as well as the offensive coordinator. You have two guys who have it in their pedigree to develop quarterbacks. It's proven. So I think that this is something and one of the reasons why this was such an upgrade for me going from Scott Satterfield to Jeff Brom. And this is no disrespect to Pete Thomas, to Malik Cunningham, but, um, I think when it comes to quarterback developing, there's no competition between Scott Satterfield and Jeff Brom. It's very clear, despite Satterfield being a quarterback um, in college, 
it's pretty clear um, who is the better quarterback developer. And I think it's proven statistically each and every season via the passing offensive numbers, top 15 on average. So uh, this really bodes well for Louisville for the future is that even when you're looking at guys ranked inside of the top 600 players he got at Purdue at the quarterback position, you have to understand that it's one of those situations to where Brom has given people no reason to doubt his quarterback recruiting. So regardless of what a quarterback is rated, if Brom is prioritizing a certain player, obviously he sees the potential in that player. And I think that um, the statistics back that up. And I think it's one of those situations. I understand you don't want to have blind loyalty in a coach in every situation, but in this one, it's pretty guaranteed. It's pretty warranted. So uh, Brom getting a ton of love and it's in the statistics overall. So, um, we're going to take a, a second to switch gears a little bit, dive into the weekly mailbag. We'll do that here momentarily. Before we do that, I want to thank you all again for making us your first listen of the day. Just a reminder, the Locked on the Wobble podcast is free on all streaming services, five days a week, your team every day. But nonetheless, heading into the final segment of the show, dedicated to the weekly mailbag Um, A lot of good questions on this episode. Uh, Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you all for submitting questions. If you want to get in on the next mailbag segment, you can DM uh, questions at the Twitter username in the graphic on the bottom left hand of your screen, or you can just comment in the YouTube comments below and let me know. So uh, first question, there have been rumors that Louisville may be involved with Javon Kennerly out of Alabama as a grad transfer option. Do you think that this is plausible for Louisville? Louisville currently has no scholarship opportunities, or they have no scholarships available. All signs point to Tyler Johnson. There's still the belief that he's going to be on campus. He's going to be at Louisville next season. Karan Davis is with the program now. Um, There have been these rumors that Louisville may look to use what they consider to be an NIL scholarship to where he's not officially on scholarship, but he gets the scholarship benefits due to NIL money. I haven't seen that yet in college basketball, so I'm going to say that's not true until I see it with my own eyes. But overall, this is a situation to where I wouldn't put much put much stock into it unless you get word that Tyler Johnson is ineligible or won't be eligible for this upcoming season, which – it might take some time for us to figure that out. If it's something that is truly an issue, which I'm not sure if it is at this point, it's been something that really hasn't been talked about a lot. So it's kind of all a moot point, unless you know for certain that Johnson is ineligible. Um, and you would assume that Quinterly is a player that's not going to take a ton of time to make his decision, this, you know, especially with it being June 28th, probably wants to get into – um, a program work and you know try to carve out a role ahead of next season. So I'm not sure how much uh, emphasis I'm putting on this argument currently. It is what it is, but I'm not buying this whole NIL scholarship uh, mumbo jumbo. So moving on along, uh, this is more basketball talk. Louisville left off of the ACC SEC challenge. What are your thoughts on this? Is it something that deserves some outrage? I mean, from a season standpoint, I mean, I guess it doesn't make 
too much of a difference because you probably weren't going to get the best game anyway, and you have some tests on this schedule. But from an optical standpoint, yes, you should be outraged. I, look, I don't care. People will say, but we went 4-28 and 28 last season. It makes sense. It, But does it, though? This is ESPN coming out and saying that of all the teams in the ACC, the one team that we're going to leave off, that we can afford to leave off is Louisville. That should make you mad. I'm sorry. I, you can believe that this team is going to get better this upcoming season and that they're going to show improvement, and you can be mad at this at the same time. Like, they're not mutually exclusive. Like, there's this whole narrative that, oh, well, you must be a Debbie Downer or, oh, you must be a Sunshine Pumper. No, I'm a Louisville fan that wants this program to get back to national relevancy. Is it going to happen this season? Time will tell. Did the team get more talent in the offseason? Did they get better on paper? Of course they did. It's all about a matter of getting those results now. It's definitely, or definitely, it's definitely not good optically because this is ESPN looking at Louisville saying, nah, we're good. We can do without Louisville. They're looking at programs like Clemson, Boston College, Pittsburgh, all across the board saying, yeah, we can do without Louisville in the ACC-SEC challenge, despite Louisville being one of the best um, you know, college basketball markets, being one of the best TV markets. This should piss you off. This isn't one of those situations where you're like, oh, to hell with it. No, it should piss you off because it's suggesting – it's telling you how the nation is viewing this program at this point in time. So I'm sorry. Call me what you want. Call me a Debbie Downer, but I, I really don't care because this makes me mad. I am hopeful that this team will see some improvement this upcoming season, and I'm interested to, to see this team play. This also should piss you off. So um, the next question is, what is a satisfactory record in 2023-24? I've already said it. It's not about record. It's about making the NCAA tournament. I understand this whole narrative of, you know, showing improvement. This team is young, but that's not really an excuse because you had the scholarships to fill them any way that you wanted, um, you know, with the one-time transfer rule in place with the playing time available, you had the opportunity to go out and get the players that you felt could help you succeed in, you know, the near term. And you can't rely upon this narrative that, Oh, they're just too young. That, that isn't a viable excuse any longer. Um, I think that the expectation should be to make the tournament because that is the Louisville program. And I think that that to suggest anything less would be, pretty much be a slight to the program. If you suggest that Louisville shouldn't make the tournament or that the expectation shouldn't be a tournament appearance, then you're essentially admitting that you don't believe Louisville is a blue blood program. That's just how I feel. I think that every single year, the bottom line is making the NCAA tournament. Now, in future years, we can talk about you know what the expectation is after you get to the tournament. But as of right now, it's a matter of getting back to the tournament for the first time since 2019. But overall, I think that this team is talented enough to get to the tournament. Um, I think that this team got better. I think on paper, there's a lot to be excited about. Um, but overall, I think that you are doing this program's reputation a disservice by suggesting that going simply 500 is good enough because in my opinion, it's not. I don't think that that's the expectation. The expectation has to be to get back to the tournament. Be in. I, I don't think that you can use a young roster as an excuse because this was the roster that the coaching staff went with. 
Um, this is the roster that, you know, the staff felt like was going to give the team uh, the opportunity to get better. They had opportunities to go out and get uh, players that were grad transfers that wanted to come here, but they opted to go in other directions. And that's okay because that's how they, they view, um, you know, what they want their roster to be like. But at the same time, you have to get to the NCAA tournament, in my opinion, in this season because you had the opportunity in the offseason to improve the roster uh, you know, extremely um, effectively. And I think on paper you had some very, very solid additions, and I'm excited to see what this team can do this upcoming season. So, But that's going to wrap up today's episode of the show. Everyone have a great day. To find the Locked On Mobile podcast, please stay tuned to the graphic now. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbird styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24.